Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio, sir, to our live show that we bring you guys every single week to give you our facts and analysis of what's going on, how to make sense of the world, how to get through a lot of the media propaganda that we are just incessantly being beat over the head with. And obviously, uh, for those of you who follow closely, uh, you all may note that it has just been a, a wild ride, as it were. Um, for any of us uh, that have been paying you know, close attention to what's going on. And I would say this whole thing in Israel has sent me on a spiral of annoyance. And so I kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit to uh, give you all a sense of what annoys me about it. Now, um, of course, we're going to be monitoring the chat here. So hopefully there's not a quick interruption and hopefully we're online because the last time that we recorded last week, we were live, but nobody saw us and there was little to no explanation as to why uh, we are live now. So not sure uh, whether or not it's coming through on rumble, but hopefully rumble can get its act together um, and we'll see. So I'm going to keep uh, kind of poking at that a bit to make sure that that comes up just in case. So if you are on our chat, please be sure to hop in and let us know that everything's working just fine. Um, so we can figure out what the devil's going on because everything says it works on my end. Anyway, doesn't matter. Point is <clears throat> this Israel thing has annoyed me to no end. And let me explain to you why. Number one, Hi. um, I don't see a difference between what is happening, honestly, like if you want to take the moral arguments that everybody is making about what's going on, I don't see a difference between what is going on in Israel and what has occurred in Ukraine. In fact, I'm not the only one who has that opinion because even Zelensky, who of course is watching the potential of all the money coming his way, bleed dry, <clears throat> is now sitting there going, um, I mean, this is kind of the same as what happened to my country, right? This is an invasion of a sovereign country, you know, by a ruthless and terroristic group. And it's just all so terrible. And it, okay. Like I, I, I can understand that the argument that I've had in Ukraine wasn't that bad things weren't happening and that there wasn't some contention. It was that we didn't need to have any involvement. It's that it wasn't our issue. We don't need to be fighting forever wars. We don't need to be sending billions of dollars to a country that if it cannot handle things itself, then something else needs to be figured out because we can't be the world police. This has been a thing that almost everybody has kind of come to the conclusion after the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and, you know, the global war on terror. Now, right. for the most part on the right, uh, in the commentator class, I'll say, people were of agreement. Of course, the government itself, representatives and the like, were not in agreement on that because, well, let's just be honest, a lot of money can be made in war. Everyone knows that. So no one expected the Lindsey Grahams of the world to suddenly decide that they didn't want to start forever wars anymore. We knew that that wasn't going to happen. And <clears throat> we weren't surprised when it was occurring. But at the same time, there were a lot of people, it was pretty prolific on the right, that we don't need to be getting involved in a bunch of different forever wars. And we should also focus on the fact that 
you know, Democrats told us that the adults were going to be in the room. You know, World War III was supposed to break out because Donald Trump was the president of the United States. And instead, this is the second, maybe the third time that we have almost approached a World War III-esque scenario. Now, when it was Ukraine and Russia, obviously World War III was going to be the use of nuclear weapons and all of this other stuff. Now, when it comes to Israel and the Middle East, it's entirely possible that Arab nations might get involved and then there's going to be a lot of factioning. You know, you're going to have the, there's a potential right now that Syria might get involved in what's going on. And then that means that, you know, we may start seeing other countries having to kind of line up. Who's Russia going to side with? Who's China going to side with? This is how, war, this is how world wars start. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to end up occurring. I'm just saying that it is a potential that it could occur. But we were told that the adults were in the room and this was going to be the good thing, right? The the not dummy dumbs of foreign policy were going to be taking over and everything was going to be great. Right. Now, instead, there's now at least two wars that the U.S. is directly involving itself in, in Ukraine and now in Israel. And the problem that I have with this entire scenario, regardless of your opinion on the status of Israel, their treatment of the Palestinians, the Palestinian right to their own state, any of that, the biggest problem that I have is that everybody is lying. You're not allowed to ask the same critical questions that we asked about Ukraine. You're not allowed to have the same critical statements that you had about Ukraine without being accused of anti-Semitism. And this is by people on the right who promised me that identity politics was not going to be a core principle of conservatism or right-wing politics. But I'm not allowed to ask critical questions, the same ones that I asked about Ukraine, about Israel, without being accused of anti-Semitism and accused of siding with Hamas. And this yeah. is... This is putting me in an absolute fury. And it's ridiculous to see people who ostensibly I trusted run with this as if they're not seeing exactly what's going on here. And the mask is off and it I find it exceedingly disappointing. I don't know a better way to say it, but I find it exceedingly disappointing. Because a lot of a lot of right-wing commentators and press writers and all of these people and just regular people on, you know, social media should know better by now. I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll dive right into the most extreme example. There's been a lot of discussion about these like beheaded and burned babies. Now, that's a pretty incredible claim. Is it impossible that it occurred? Absolutely not. Would terrorists do something like that? Perhaps. I mean, it's not above them by, you know, by any measure. So, okay. The problem is, is that the claim was being made and everyone said, that's pretty fantastical. And, and it's, it's a little, it's a little out there. It's very movie villain. And so the same people who would always question any sort of big claim, whether it be the ghost of Kiev or Snake Island, both of which turned out to be propaganda, propagandist lies, they were completely made up, went, well, now, wait a minute, I don't know about that. That sounds pretty crazy. Is it true? And we saw 
across social media and in regular media, these people just outright attacked for even asking for any kind of proof of something so horrific because it sounded it, it, it sounded insane. It sounded like propaganda. Let's just let's just put it out. That's the kind of thing that you would see in propaganda. We saw it. Uh, uh, there's a, the classic example of that, uh, Alan, you brought up, which was for Kuwait. When uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait, there was a diplomat's daughter that went to Congress and claimed that they went into like the neonatal unit of a hospital and were like shutting off incubators and like murdering babies in the hospital. And it turned out to not be true, but it was part of the yeah. predicate for why the U.S. needed to roll tanks into Iraq. Yes. So it was in 1990, a 15-year-old girl um, basically spoke before Congress and gave all this testimony before the United States Congressional Human Rights Caucus uh, in 1990. And... She said it was terrible. She witnessed Iraqi soldiers taking babies, Kuwaiti babies, out of incubators. Uh, and then they stole the incubators to take back to Iraq and left the babies to die pathetically on the floor. Oh, and it's so sad. And she gave this testimony before Congress. Well, it turns out she was the daughter of the Kuwaiti ambassador and she had not even been anywhere near Iraq at the time these events were supposed to happen. And the entire thing was just a classic example of atrocity propaganda designed to, and this was given in front of Congress. And you mean to tell, and you're trying to tell me that nobody fact-checked who this girl was and what her story was before she spoke before Congress on television? Yeah. Come on. <clears throat> now. No, I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's a good example. Then we have all of the examples from the Ukraine war. Where oh, yeah. the media outright lied about events, both positive and negative. There was the ghost of Kiev. There was, and there's multiple ones. I saw multiple stories run where it's look at all these pathetic Russian conscripts who have surrendered, and at the same time, Russian channels are, are sharing. Look at all these Ukrainian conscripts who have surrendered, and it's the same picture. Mm -hmm. So Snake Island is another great one where, oh, the brave soldiers of Snake Island, their last transmission was a few Russian warship, and then they were all murdered by the Russians. No, turns out that story was completely false. They were captured. They were treated relatively well. They were given medical treatment, and then they were repatriated to Ukraine in a prisoner transfer. The whole story was fake from the beginning. Right. And so when I have someone like Israel... Um, then one of Israel's major intelligence, military intelligence operations is the Mossad. Right. And one of the Assad's Mossad's, uh, one of their Motto. mottos is victory through deception. I kind of have to go, I can't believe anything I see coming out of this conflict at face value because both sides absolutely would lie to me in order to curry some sort of favor or try to achieve some kind of moral high ground. Of course. Well, and this is normal. So information operations is a normal aspect of, of modern day warfare. And you and I understand this as being having been in military intelligence. It's, it's not an abnormal thing. And the biggest, the biggest aspect of information operations um, is the want and need uh, to get the civilian populace to be on your side. 
regardless of what mm-hmm. side that may be, the idea is to get the populace on your side, to make it politically untenable to continue to support your opposition. That is the entire point of information operations. Um, That and, I mean, another aspect of it that we wouldn't be necessarily exposed to in the civilian side is to distract your enemy and attack your enemy on multiple fronts and give them basically faulty intelligence or give them a a false impression of what's going on. And that's normal. The problem is, is that until about, oh gosh, what was it? 10 years ago, uh, the United States government was not allowed to spread propaganda within the borders of the United States. And wonderfully, people like John McCain, I'm not joking, took away that provision. I'm trying to remember the name of the act. Was it like the Smith-Mund Act or something like that? Actually was mm-hmm. was in uh was was in legislation since I I believe like the 30s or 50s that said you could not the United States government could not engage in propaganda against the civilians uh, the citizens of the United States that was actually removed during the Obama presidency that provision was removed in a national defense um in a national defense spending bill they removed that I'm sorry. Of course it was. Yeah, of course it was. So now, and and I mean that's problematic from from a lot of reasons. And I think the only people, uh, the only people that ever raised a stink about it were Ron Paul at the time, and then Rand Paul, his son, and nobody else cared. So just so you're aware, the United States government no longer has any legal, had no longer has any law restricting them from. Pushing propaganda on their own citizens. You you should know that when in when basically taking any media. Now, part of the reason why I bring that up is I was just watching watching television on I, I believe it was two days ago, so it was on Friday night. I'm watching television and there was an ad from the state of Israel. Why would uh, there be an ad for the state of Israel on your television? It in, in what it was. Is it was an ad that showed it showed a bunch of pictures of different people and it had a, a counter that was raising and raising faster and faster and faster and it was here's how many people are dead like here's how many people were dead on the assault um, from Hamas and it said stand with it said it, well it showed it showed all the dead and then it said Hamas equal ISIS and then it just showed like the state of Israel logo the menorah and it said hashtag stand with Israel. And it was funded by the state of Israel. So the state of Israel and like, look, propaganda is a word. It is a definitive word for something. It doesn't necessarily, you know, it obviously has a pejorative meaning, but it is also a real thing. That is propaganda because it is a state sponsored advertisement that is being pushed at a different country. It is being pushed at Americans in the United States, they funded this, they paid Netflix to to push this to American audiences to make them feel emotionally, you know, bad for what occurred in Israel. I don't know why that's necessary because I don't know a single American that's like, I don't think that was a big deal. I don't know anybody who feels this way. But for one reason or another, there's a there's a foreign country that blatantly, I will say this much, at least it's blatantly, 
it would be even worse if it was surreptitious. You know, we were being pushed to this and we found out it was funded from yeah. a foreign country because that also does happen, of course. But it's a little weird, right? Like, why are Americans being propagandized by the state of Israel to basically support what's going on, you know, to support them in uh, in their operations in Gaza? Which, by the way, I think is the, the part that I find weird is I don't think it's necessary. You have majority support. Yeah, there's not politicians really aren't pushing hard against the idea of at a minimum just saying Israel can do whatever the hell it wants. They, they, the majority of politicians are at a minimum saying Israel needs to do what is necessary to get rid of this terrorist threat, and they're not standing in their way. Uh, many have you know suggested funding and all this other stuff. Sure. But the only pushback that you're getting from a political front is people saying the only pushback is like, well, we should obviously let Israel do whatever they want. We're not going to get in their way. Eh, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have to start giving them billions of dollars or sending our own troops or anything like that. Right. So right. why do they need why is this necessary? And the call to action, by the way, was basically just to share a hashtag. Well, the reason for that is because consultants that work for politicians go are still dumb, by the way, and will go onto places like Twitter and go onto Facebook and whatever, and they will see how many times that hashtag is shared. And that is a metric that they will use to show a politician whether or not something is popular. So the idea here isn't to necessarily propagandize you. I mean, it is, but it's to get you to share a hashtag and to feel bad and to want to be part of the group and the you know new th current thing isms and whatever. So politicians then see, oh, well, you know, sir, the majority of your constituents are sharing the I stand with Israel hashtag. So you really need to approve this 800, you know, bazillion dollars that we're going to send to Israel. And if you stand against it, which you really, you know, normally would, uh, it would probably be politically bad for you. That seems to be the point of this. Yes. Now, and I find that annoying, but let's go back to the babies. So the problem with the whole babies thing is people went, this seems kind of incredible. It seems a bit much. And honestly, the most the most educated responses I've seen is mostly people bringing up how the hell in such a chaotic situation would people be able to get such a definitive count so quickly? Right. And, and, right. and, and things like that. So the, the thing is, is because people experienced Ukraine, because people saw the lies, because people know they're being lied to, there were uh, different commentators like uh, Cassandra. Oh, her last name just flipped me. Doesn't matter. I've shared her stuff on, on our Twitter, so you can go check it out there. Uh, Cassandra Fairbanks, you know, has brought up like, yeah, this seems pretty incredible. I'm going to need more than just someone's statement because it came it, it, it initially came from a journalist who just kind of readily stated it. And then people started asking like, oh my God, like that's a big deal. Do you have any proof of something like this? And she said, oh, well, I heard it from an IDF soldier or I heard it from IDF soldiers. And then there started to be pressure applied. The problem is, is that before that pressure really started to get applied, it got run, ran with here in U.S. media. U.S. media ran with the claim. Then the Israeli government kind of also ran with the claim. And then President Biden 
made said that he you know oh, oh well yeah I've I've been told by uh, Netanyahu he said that he said that he saw proof of it and then ever so th- this was a whole thing like Biden clearly stated I saw proof of these like dead babies or whatever and it's horrible and awful so that caused everyone to clamor and say oh my god so there is proof we can finally get all these dummy dumbs that keep doubting us where's the proof then biden had to walk it back and say well i I didn't see it netanyahu said he saw it then it got walked back to israel and then the government of israel said well we can't actually confirm that this occurred but it is claims that are being made and so the funnier part about it to me was everyone wants to make it sound like the reason why the pushback occurred was because all of these people kept asking for proof. It was really that the very pro-Israel people on social media demanded to have that proof so they could rub it in the face of all those anti-Semites who were questioning the, you know, and saying it might be propaganda. Well, the reality is, is that nobody has actually seen any proof, but it was really super convenient. It's a really good story. Now, my, mm-hmm. my question is, where are the families? There should be 40 families that lost their children that should be crying and very upset well, and pulling out their hair. And if I was the media, I know they would want nothing more than to show me those families on the evening news so that I could feel sad as well. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen this argument, and the issue is with how things went down early on. Um, It's likely that if this is true, those families are dead because they would have killed everybody. They wouldn't have just, like, murdered the baby and then left the, you know family alive so okay but but, okay but but still the reason why the reason why i'm saying that is because relatives like oh uncle so-and-so his entire family was killed and their baby was killed and like mm -hmm. oh he he was one of those poor people i should be seeing those things on the news and i'm not seeing them and that makes me suspicious the the reason why i say that is if suddenly like especially after several days, if suddenly there were people being interviewed on the evening news, my first question would be, why was that person left alive? Why were they able to murder a baby and decapitate it and set it on fire, but they didn't kill that one? You know what I mean? That that would have been my question because, I mean, that's how propaganda works too. Sure. But to the point is I think, okay, the problem is, is that we're still stuck with, and we may never know, right? Like we're still stuck with the idea that there there are going to be lies, but on on both sides, there's going to be propaganda. There's going to be lies. Hundred percent, that's going to happen. There was a photo that was shared that claimed to be one of these, and I one one of the more annoying things too that I saw was. People basically being like, I can't even log into Twitter now because you dicks keep demanding proof. And now there's pictures of dead babies all over my timeline. Fuck you for this. And it's like, uh, fuck you for what? Wanting to make sure that you're not being lied to by liars. I mean, understand, I'm, I'm talking specifically to right wing people saying stuff like this. 
who suddenly are like, no, believe what CNN says. How dare you question what CNN is saying? How dare you question what the mainstream media is saying? How dare you flood my timeline with a picture of a dead baby because you demanded to know whether or not something was true. Same people, by the way, many of them, 100% bitched about the propaganda in Ukraine. Use the joke about the ghost of Kiev. Use the joke about Snake Island. But they can't fathom why we would have the same questions. And and that's yeah, exceedingly... That's it's obnoxious. because Well, because, yes, it's hypocrisy. But it also does show that there's just... <laughs> there's some countries that have this magic way of being above reproach. You're not allowed to question it like anybody else. And I find that very fascinating Mostly because only a few months ago, suggesting that was considered, I don't know, some sort of bigotry. <laughs> so it's um, that's the other fun part about this whole situation is how much the uh, darker parts of the Internet are having a celebration over, see, we told you so. I mean, that's another celebrating that. Huh? I'm kind of celebrating that we told you so. Well, right, but what I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, what I, this, seems, this kind of seems like a hoax, and maybe it really happened. That's the other thing. It, this might have happened, but the big thing I saw was the proof that was finally given turned out to be the, a photo that, se- that, when analyzed, seemed as though it had a lot, that ha- it had been created by a computer program. Yep, it was, it was artificial intelligence. It was an AI-created image. Right. Well, now, which, which I is, don't know mm-hmm. how verifiable that truly is. It's easy for someone to just say, hey, and probably just say, hey, an AI created this image. But at the same time, I'm at least a little bit... Susp- I'm, I, it wouldn't surprise me if someone would did that. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if someone said, well, we got to get proof out there or else these people will keep believing the wrong thing. And... They just created an AI image of a dead baby says, shut up their critics on Twitter. Well, and that's one of the things that bothers me, too, is it is becoming extremely obvious with the reactions that people are having is you are not allowed to have a dissenting opinion. I'm seeing people who used to be free speech advocates that are demanding canceling of certain people because they have the wrong opinions. I'm seeing people who were ostensibly against never-ending foreign wars that are now braying for blood in Gaza. I'm seeing people who, um, (laughs) a really good example, one of the disappointing ones, I'm not going to name the person, but it's somebody who I have respect for, was also in the army. I remember when, uh, do you remember that news story about the Marines uh, that, There was a video that leaked out of them pissing on the dead bodies of Taliban who were shooting at them. Yep. And those Marines all got punished under the UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. They got punished. And by the way, that's federal punishment. That's a felonious charge if it goes all the way through a court-martial. All of those guys were punished. And there was outrage in the international sphere because they they, they pissed on the Taliban. And I remember this person, who's a, a writer and a former uh, military, uh, former army officer, saying those guys were stupid for taking the, a video of this, and they deserve to be punished. I'm assuming by knowing this person and reading a lot of their stuff, he kind of meant 
they deserve to be punished because they were dumb enough to videotape it. Not necessarily because they were pissing on the Taliban, but the whole point was was supporting the punishment of those men because they were they were committing an act that seemed untoward, inhumane, right? And di disrespectful of the dead. Okay, fine. The argument that I heard in support of punishing those Marines was the fact that one of the things that makes the United States a good country is that we prosecute war in as moral a fashion as possible. We don't just rush into areas and lay everything to waste and salt the earth behind us and then keep on going. We prosecute war to minimize civilian casualties. We fight with respect and honor. And we stand tall and as morally capable as someone can in war. That is what makes us great. That's what makes us awesome. It's the same excuses that I heard for why we had such a crippling ROE in Afghanistan. The reason why, if terrorists were firing at us from a school or a hospital, we could not shoot back. The reason why, if they were firing at us with their AK-47s and then dropped them on the ground, you remember this, Alan, we can't shoot back because they're no longer armed. We did all of those things. We did every single one of those things, not because necessarily everyone agreed with it, but because if there was a fucking press camera within any distance that caught us doing that, we could go to jail because it's a war crime, because it's a war crime. And we know people, those Marines got in trouble. We know that, remember, one of the biggest leaks that came out of WikiLeaks and uh, 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 what was it, Manning, was the fact that a, yeah. it was a U.S. helicopter that accidentally killed a Reuters journalist because somebody had something on their shoulder. They pointed it up at the uh, helicopter. Helicopter, like, mistook it for, like, an RPG or something, fired on them, and it was actually a Reuters, I believe it was a Reuters journalist, but it was a journalist, right? Yeah. This was a huge mm -hmm. deal. Oh, my God, the government covered up the fact that they killed a journalist. This is awful. This is terrible. Bush is awful. He should be in jail. He's a war criminal, right? Yep. Journalists just got killed. There was a journalist that got killed in, um, in uh, Gaza in an airstrike by Israel. All of that's okay now. And I, I have a right to be bothered by that. I have a right to feel betrayed by my own countrymen that the ROE in Israel is like, like, I'm not saying I necessarily disagree with the idea that it's like, okay, your country's attacked, steamroll it. We've been advocating for the same, we've been advocating that this whole like gentleman's war nonsense from the UN is bullshit and it makes zero sense. But I feel a little betrayed when Everyone ostensibly agreed with the ROE that crippled our soldiers, got some of our people killed, had people go to jail for really stupid reasons. All of this happened. And now that it's Israel, a different country, a foreign country, a country that is not America. Everyone's like, oh, no, you can turn Gaza into a parking lot. No, go ahead and bomb that hospital because Hamas is in the basement. It doesn't matter. There, you know, Palestinians, there's no such thing as an innocent Palestinian. They all voted for Hamas, so it's okay. Why, like, how am I not, how am I supposed to feel having fought in Afghanistan, being told you're in an armored vehicle, just get down if you're being shot at. Just get down, don't fire back, just get down. That's the kind of shit we were hearing from officers in Afghanistan because they didn't want to get in trouble with their own right. leadership. So how am I not supposed to feel betrayed 
when people who basically promulgated that opinion are suddenly like, oh, well, if it's Israel, oh my gosh, like we should get, what about napalm? Uh, how about a uh, white phosphorus? I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard a claim that they've been launching white phosphorus in Gaza. I don't know if that's true, but you can't use white phosphorus. It's a war crime. Right. But nobody cares. Yeah, it, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it keeps pointing to kind of the major theme of all of this. It is impossible to ignore anymore that when it comes to Israel, there is an egregious double standard. Yeah. And if people were just honest about it and told me the truth as to why they believe that, if somebody came up and said, there is a double standard to Israel because God has a covenant with the Israeli people, I would be like, I don't agree with you because I'm a Christian, but hey, you know what? That that makes sense. Your your rationale to to what you're saying, your argument to you and how you present it makes sense. I now know how you have arrived at your conclusion. I can I can understand that. I don't that's fine. I totally get it. But they won't. They'll lie. They'll moralize. They'll be like, "Well, but look at what look at what the Hamas did." Okay? Look at what Al-Qaeda did. That didn't matter to you when I was in Afghanistan. I don't understand. ISIS ISIS attacked the United States, killed American citizens. You didn't lift the ROE for ISIS. I don't understand. Is Hamas so much worse than ISIS? No. Luckier. (laughs) I mean, to be honest... Well, actually, that really depends. ISIS wasn't attacking, you know, Israel or the United States, but they laid waste to a lot of places. Doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be a one-for-one comparison. They were brutal, too. So were the Taliban. So was Al-Qaeda. But they moralize instead of just being honest. I mean... There are plenty of people that thought that we should have been able to turn Afghanistan into a parking lot that think we should turn Gaza into a parking lot. At least those people are honest. What I don't like is the attempt to moralize with me and act like, because, well, Alan, like, what's your opinion for the idea of Israel feels it's attacked and now they're going to go into Gaza? I think that Israel... I think that Israel conquered a new territory in 1946 and created a new country. There were hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Arabs already living there that no longer live there. And that's totally fine if you want to conquer a new land, but you have to acknowledge that there is a price in blood, both yours and your and your and the former inhabitants, that has to be paid. Mm-hmm. And this is just more of that cost. You have to sully your hands with bloodshed and genocide if you're going to keep a new land that you settle. Well, and, and I think that, mm-hmm. and, and it's the fact that we can't be honest about that, that Israel is somehow trying to claim that they are the eternal victim when the reality is none of this would be happening if Israel had adopted multiculturalism and integrated with the Palestinians rather than separating them out. <laughs> I like that you said integrated with multiculturalism. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if multiculturalism is such a good and great thing, then they should have been able to do it there. And if they're not going to do that, then there is a price that has to be paid in order to live 
in order to separate yourself out from people that also want to live in the same land that you're choosing to live on. Either you have to get away from them and give and give them the land that they claim, or do you have to pay a price in blood to keep that land? And this is that's simply that's all that's happening right now is the that the Hamas and Israel are both paying in blood to see who gets to control land that they both claim. Well, and now this this brings up a, an interesting point because some of the, you know people have brought this up, and let's say so there was the original designation by the United Nations, by the way, which you know as far as I know on the right we're not a huge fan of global government, you know new world order shit. Uh, drew some drew some lines on a map and said this is now this now belongs to these people. And for some reason, even though we don't like the UN, we don't like people like Klaus Schwab, we don't like this whole new world order nonsense, but except for that decision, <laughs> you know, like agenda 21's bad, but you know, Israel's fine. Um, you know, point is this happened fine. Mm-hmm. The claim that I've seen that makes at least some sense is there was obviously a war that occurred after that. A bunch of Arab countries came in and, and decided to fight, and then Israel won, and it was over. They, in fact, took more land than was initially designated because of the uh, because of that that war. There was area there were areas that they expanded into, and they said, "This is Israel now." Fine, and everyone went along with it. Totally okay. Totally At fine. that point, what I will say is we fought plenty of wars with the Native Americans, so it's fine. I don't want to hear any more whining about fucking indigenous peoples then because we fought wars. We had treaties. We won. We told them they got to go live over there, and now they live over there. And that's how it works. They Mm -hmm. have reservations. They live over there. I don't want to hear any more about it. Well, and if a bunch of Native Americans decided they were going to paraglide into san francisco and start killing every white person they saw i would advocate to obliterate their tribe on the reservation but i also wouldn't act as though it was a completely insane thing for them to do i would say well that's pretty understandable i think you should be obliterated because at the end of the day we have to secure our Mm -hmm. nation first but at the same time, I would say I would at least I would at least understand the motivation. And that's how I feel about Hamas is if I was a Palestinian placed in the situation they've been placed in, I hope I would be as courageous and audacious to never let up and always try to make good on my seething hatred for the people that I think stole my land. Well, and that's the but, problem, too. What is- are the Palestinians mm-hmm. supposed to do? Just roll over and die and let their entire, like, cultural and bloodlines be exterminated because Israel decided it wants to live in the same land that they claimed? Uh, no, I, I feel like Israel, sh- is, if anything, Israel should exterminate the Palestinians because that's the only way they're going to have long-term peace and the Palestinians get a say in the matter. <laughs> well, the, the, the kind of, uh, kind of what, what you're alluding to here is that the gay half measures is part of the reason why this is actually occurring. Is because everybody was like, well, let's not like do super mean war. Let's just maybe, maybe you take some of this and then we'll try to do like a little treaty and we'll send some, maybe some angry letters and and, and then maybe it'll all just go away after a certain period of time. And it's like, (laughs) what? 
Where, like, yeah, I think that that's it, part of the problem. Both I'm having. sides have to fight themselves to exhaustion in order to determine what the boundaries are actually going to be. And that's the law of the land. That's in law older than time itself. And trying to think that we're a some sort of new enlightened age to an age away from that. Uh, I mean, just look at it. What what has that mentality ever done except keep the world in a constant state of crisis and conflict? Yeah, like basically the foundation like, of the UN has created forever wars. Yeah, one side has to win and one side has to ultimately lose. And that situation, even then, isn't stable. There, the idea that we're going to just have some stable end of history where nothing ever happens again is a fallacy. Like, it's, it, like Israel will be in a constant struggle for its existence because there are other groups that claim the land it sits on. Mm-hmm. And the United States does not have to really deal with that right now because anyone that could make a claim on the land that the United States sits on is far too weak and uncoordinated to make a play for it. But that is by no means a static situation. We're not entitled to the United States, just like Israel is not entitled to Israel. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. It matters if you're strong enough to take it and keep it, then you get to take it and keep it. And if someone wants to challenge that, then they get to do so. And the idea that we are going to try to assign some sort of good guy, bad guy morality to any of it, I find in a way somewhat pathetic. Both sides are equally good and bad to themselves. And trying to be an outside observer and choose where you sit, I think is futile unless you make that determination on what is best for your nation and people. If we decided it is best for us for Israel to be the uncontested ruler of Israel, then we support them. And if it is best for us, for Hamas to contest control of Israel, then we should stop supporting Israel. And I think that the attempts, and I guess to me the thing that's annoyed me the most is all this attempt at moralizing this into some good guy, bad guy, Avengers superhero-esque, you know, ultimate evil versus ultimate good idea when the reality is it's too complex of a situation for that and it's also and it's both these groups are fighting for what they think is right hamas thinks hamas and the palestinians think they deserve they deserve israel the land of palestine israel says we created a new country and we deserve to keep it both groups are equal have an equally valid claim and they are simply settling that and which is why I'm annoying to me when we don't face that head on mm-hmm. when people when Israelis claim well we deserve Israel because the Bible says so or we deserve Israel because of the Holocaust and no one can question our claim to Israel because we deserve it I I find that very irritating because they also don't acknowledge well there were like Palestinians living here for hundreds of years under the Ottoman Empire and then you walked in from 1900 to 1950 and just sort of took it over and then the UN granted you this land I mean the Lord Rothschild the banking magnate Lord Rothschild made a deal with the British Empire to fund the British government World War One for the British government to give the Zionist movement the land of Palestine after the war which is basically how Israel formed. Yeah, the Balfour Declaration. To act like that's not true, I find very disingenuous. Yeah. Like, it's as much stolen land as the United States' is stolen land from the natives. And that's fine. 
if we just approach that honestly and not try to obscure it behind some veil of false morality. Well, right. Well, and and even even with that, I just I just want to have I just want to have the same same standard. I I want groups of people yeah. to quit whining and acting like the United States is somehow uniquely awful. But Israel right. somehow is completely moral and in their own right. Flawless. And anything they do is fine and there's no and they can't there's no war crime. Israel is above war crimes, is above any of this because they're fighting for survival. It's like we've, and this, I guess this, this is kind of my point is I look at, say, the Palestinians and think if the government put us all in FEMA camps or the World Economic Forum put us all into their 15 minute city prisons or any of that sort of nonsense, if I was a citizen in the Soviet Union under that oppressive government, I would hope, I, I would hope that I would pull off crazy terrorist attacks against that tyrannical government like the Palestinians are doing against Israel. Now, the argument, well, is Israel really that bad? I don't think they necessarily are. But it sort of doesn't matter because have basically no hope other than living in a giant open air prison camp for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it, What's it, the hope? What, what do they have to live for other than taking revenge? I mean, the unfortunate part is it, it, it truly doesn't matter whether or not it is bad or not. Every single citizen of Palestine is told that it is. Exactly. Like, you just, you just, you have to accept and acknowledge that. It might not be true, but these, these, these people are taught from the time that they are children that they are oppressed. Right. You know, like they, when they, you have a population mm -hmm. that's taught from when they're children that they're oppressed, is there any hope of them ever working together peacefully with the group they're told is their oppressor? No, no. Mm. And and, and that, that's the once again, that's the problem with the whole half measure bullshit. Like there needs to be a two state solution. That's never going to fucking work. It's the same thing as what we do with Taiwan. Like the, the same idea with Taiwan, the like, um, unspoken like we support taiwan but we kind of don't at the same time because it's going to cause like too many ruffled feathers or whatever so we don't like outwardly claim uh support for taiwan because we don't want to you know rustle the jimmies of china these kinds of dumb diplomatic half measures only ever result in war and it's because yes. people don't have because because what what truly the what the true problem is is that people are too cowardly to make the case for we need to go in and we need to prosecute a war right now and we need to do it because if we don't do it now then generations later it's going to be 10 times more awful and nobody wants to do that because we've convinced everybody especially in the western world that only bad people start wars and everything's like an Avengers movie line where suddenly for no reason, bad person did bad thing. And now we're going to come back as the heroic underdogs and we're going to fight back instead of just being adults in the room. Well, and part of this too, just so everyone knows, is this opinion only started when post-World War One, 
all of these leftists decided that imperialism and might makes right is just a big bad thing. It's so bad and that's why the that's why we got into this giant world war was because of all these dumb empires and these stupid dummy dumbs who think might makes right and we need the scientists and the poets and the philosophers to write all of our political discourse and all of our uh, dip- do conduct all of our diplomacy and it's ended in basically constant warfare because it's completely defiant of normal human nature i mean honestly i think that this it's like the palestinians and the israelis have never heard the song imagined by john lennon and if they had <laughs> then i think that this whole situation would have worked itself out <laughs> well, I, I made a, I made an even more caustic statement last night where I I have solved, <laughs> I've solved the Israeli-Palestinian crisis very easily. I know why they're in constant warfare. Oh, why? Uh, because they haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their savior. <laughs> well, there is that. If That's they just did true. that, then it'd be fine. It'd just be a giant Christian nation, and everything would be okay. Um. <clears throat> sorry this was through a uh i got into a not an argument I, I was having a very good discussion with a friend of mine who was kind of going he, he was explaining to someone else the basically the history of israel um starting kind of in world war one and then how uh how a lot of this stuff started and it was you know the british army came in and they stopped at the uh Haffa gate and the general whose name slips me right now dismounted his horse because he thought only Christ had the right to, you know, go into the holy city on the, the back of an animal. And he mm-hmm. sent biplanes in to do a reconnaissance mission. And the Turks heard his name, which his name uh, sounds a lot like the prophet. Uh, and when they saw the biplanes, they'd never seen them before. It was like it terrified them. So when he came into Jerusalem. There was not a single shot fired because the Turks ran because they were convinced that God had ordained uh, that these people, the the British, be able to take the Holy Land, which is a fantastic story. Very cool. Mm-hmm. He was also a Christian, not a Jew, not a Muslim. He was a Christian. So yeah, maybe maybe it's true. Maybe God did have a covenant uh, where the land was taken without a fight, but it was taken by a Christian. And at the same time, part of the only reason why Israel can seem to stand on its own two feet amidst all of this hoopla, we'll say, is because Christian nations like Britain, like the United States, are there to back them up. I just find That's true. I find that interesting when people have the discussion about God's covenant with the Israelis. Cuz I'm constantly told that God made a covenant with Abraham and that is what gave the land of Israel to the Jews. Totally fine. I understand it. I've read the same Bible. It's it's part of my Bible too. But the covenant changed with Christ. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, okay, and this was me having a little bit of fun, but it was also my annoyance that the majority of Jews that I personally know are all atheists until Israel's brought up. Then suddenly they're fucking biblical scholars and the Bible's accurate and is the truth. 
I've always found that amazing to me. How many atheists suddenly start quoting a scripture that they themselves don't even believe in when defending Israel, which I think is fine. I think it's great that people are quoting scripture, finally. I think it's great that atheists are suddenly finding God <laughs> and believing the words that were bestowed upon Abraham. I just wish that they would believe the rest of them too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that's pretty funny. But that has taken up so much of the news cycle. And like, yeah, we could I, I could go on and, and bitch and piss and moan about it all day. There is another fun. I'm going to call it uh, the ghost of Kiev uh, here just so everyone uh, can be aware of it. But let me sorry. Let me let me pull it up because I have I have it on Twitter, which I should probably start calling it X, but I don't want to. I don't want to either. Yeah. It seems silly. It does seem silly. I hate it. Um oh, never mind. So there's there was a story that came out and I was I'm gonna be honest, I was a little shocked because I was like, oh, come on guys, like we all know what this is. This is like Ghost of Kiev. But of course, plenty of right wingers are gonna defend it. So there's this picture of a relatively a seemingly attractive woman in a bunch of gear. Um just a random photo and it was shared and it says, this is Captain Yuval, an infantry commander in the Nahal Brigade. On Saturday morning, as soon as she heard about the horrors taking place, she ran out of her home with her gun in her, with her gun in her pajamas. She reports there were dead bodies all over the road. And that at some oh. point, a group of terrorists on motorcycles drove drive toward her and she empties a whole magazine on them, killing two. She's calling her boss, wow. Colonel Steinberg, but he's been killed. Same with other Colonel commanders Steinberg. she tries reaching. All gone. She located Captain Ron, and, and together they, uh, they understand that only they are left to conduct this battle. They find a friend's house nearby, open up a war room, and begin directing the forces on the ground. Before most of us even woke up and understood... What is happening? These two young captains were directing commandos and fighter pilots and eliminated 22 terrorists, preventing them from taking control of two outposts in their pajamas. They are still out there fighting. We are in good hands. Huh. That's certainly a story. So plucky female captain hears what's going on, rushes out, has to battle terrorists and bodies are in the streets, and then realizes that all of the command is dead, and her and her other like friend, who probably went through the academy with her, meet up and stand up a war room and start directing the war from someone's basement in their pajamas to save their country. What a great fucking movie plot. Oh, it's such a good movie plot because that's what it is. It's a fucking movie plot. And you know, yeah. you, do you want do you want to know why I immediately went this is bullshit? I'm going to read why a line because I want people to understand how I do this. I don't do this out of bitterness. I'm not like super anti-Israel or anything like that that makes me go this is probably a lie. It's this statement. Well, it's it's this series of statements. As soon as she heard about the horrors taking place. Okay, so let's start there. She reports, so she, as soon as she hears about the horrors taking place, so she hears about the horror. Then she runs out of her house in her pajamas with her gun. And she reports that there were dead bodies all over the road. 
So you mean to tell me, because everywhere where she went, she had to have run, right? She's physically running because she shoots at terrorists and motorcycles. So she's physically running to wherever she's going. This is in a small, um, one of those, what is it, a kibbutz? So it's a small community. So she just suddenly hears about what's going on as opposed to hearing the gunfire and the slaughter of people to the point that there's bodies all over the road. That's not what woke her up. Somebody had to call her and be like, my God, this is happening. And she goes, I'll be right there and grabs her gun and goes rushing out to go, you know, save her community. Make that make sense. Guns are really loud. I'm sorry. Yes, gun, guns, guns are, are really loud. Gun, guns are really loud. Screams are really loud. Alarms are really loud. 2,400 rockets are really loud. Yeah. But it's not a good story. Mm-hmm. So. It's, very, it's a very cute story. It's a very, very cute story. story. And, and like, I don't want to be rude, but of course it's a female captain. Infantry commander even, because of how much more progressive wow. Israel is than the United States, you see. Yeah. And this is one of the things, it do, does it really, how much does it matter whether this is true or not? It doesn't really matter too much to me, but at the same time, it, this is what I'm, t- this is why I don't believe the dead baby story. Yeah. In, in I just go, no, that's not happening. That in, probably didn't happen, and you're basically lying to me to try and sell me something. In the movie Wag the Dog, it's coming up on the re-election of a president. He wants to get re-elected, so he hires a Hollywood producer to basically fake a war. And one of the things that the Hollywood producer, who's Dustin Hoffman, I believe, says is that everybody needs a hero. Everyone needs a hero. They need a name. And so they create yeah. a hero. They created a POW who gets captured by mm-hmm. the, the enemy in this war. And they have a photo of him and he's ripped Morse code into his sweater and it says courage mom. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that they, they, they use. But that's that's the whole point is... It's by the way, the reason I, I reference Wag the Dog a lot, and the reason why is I feel like that movie, though entertaining, I think it's a confession. Oh, I think it's a Hollywood confession. Because they're hmm. they're in this movie, they're showing literally how easy it is to dupe the American people. And by the way, this was made actually, I'm gonna have to look it up. Um it it was made before you know, the war on terror and stuff like that. And and so mm-hmm. I, I need to see when it was actually released. It was sometime in the 90s, if my internet will play nice. Um, but one of, one of the interesting things about it is, like, they have all of these scenes that when you go and start looking at, like, 9-11 and stuff, it gets fascinating because they... Everyone should go watch the movie, but... There's a point where, like, there's a country singer that they pay to write um, a song. 1997. Wag the Dog was made in 1997. Mm, and, 
Yeah, and 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 what they do, yeah, what they do in it is is there was a there was a whole situation where um, a country singer writes a song about the war, and it shows like there's all this excitement from Dustin Hoffman, the producer, because he's like pointing at like the video from the concert. And there's like this girl weeping. He's like, those are real tears. That's not an actress. We didn't pay her. Like that's real. And it's because they're emotionally (laughs) grabbing all of these people to be invested in the war that's occurring. But the hero that's out there because the name of the country song is courage mom. Oh, that's great. And they named they, the the nickname of the uh, of the hero, who's uh, by the way, it's Woody Harrelson who plays the guy. Um, the The nickname of the hero is they call him Shoe, and so it shows like kids throwing their shoes tied together up over like telephone wires and stuff. And so everywhere in small town America, there's all these shoes hanging everywhere, you know, for the hero and waiting for him. And it turns out that the, <laughs> the guy, the whole fun part of the movie is the guy that they get. It turned out that he was like a convict. <laughs> so it was like, wait, who was the guy that you got the picture of? It was like, Oh, it was some convict that we found. And they were like, are you, are you kidding me? Cause people want him to come home now. We have to rescue him. So you're going to have to like bring this guy out. And like Woody Harrelson's like some like felon or something. And they have to like get him to play along to be the hero coming home, but of course it doesn't quite work out. Uh, and wha- wacky antics happen, and the producer has to keep making the story make it make sense. Sure. Then, of course, it's the best performance that he's ever made. And so he's upset because it's supposed to all be hidden. Anyway, point is, I, mm. I felt like that was a confession from Hollywood more so than a movie. I don't think it was hard for someone to make that up. Because that's how propaganda would work. Right. And they give the game away. It's not even that crazy. Like, I know it's somebody just having fun and it's kind of, it's based on a book called American Hero and stuff like that. But it it, it is true and it is how it works. You have to have a hero. You need people to get emotionally invested. You have to give them a call to action. That's good advertising. So what's yeah. the call to action? What what do you want them to do? You gave them an emotion, and what is the thing that will would relieve that emotion? Is it giving money? Is it sharing a hashtag? Is it telling a friend? What is it that you need to do that's going to make you feel like you're doing something to handle the problem? Right. And that's what bugs me. Like, if... The part is, is like, maybe this is all true. Maybe this captain uh, woman actually did all of these things. Maybe it's a true story or maybe, maybe it's a semi true story. That's, you know, being fluffed up to make it a little bit better. That's fine too. The problem is, is that yes, governments would lie to me. They would do it. If a government were to lie and make up a story, it would read exactly like this. So I have to apologize if it's a hundred percent true, but maybe if your governments didn't lie, all the goddamn time and try to emotionally manipulate me, it would be better. Yeah, that would be, that's, it would, I guess that's my feet, how I feel about this. If we were just being honest about it and we're saying we, the U S supports Israel for the reasons of X, Y, and Z and Israel is doing this for the, and it was very much, well, this is what our interest is and why we're doing it. I would, feel a lot more confident but instead i'm just told well because the holocaust happened uh and 
somehow the U.S. is on the hook to give them billions of dollars every year and ensure that they are able to basically fend off any Arab invasion by sending our own military to support them. I was like, but that, that doesn't make sense to me. And mm-hmm. feels like there is something more at play, and I kind of feel like I'm being lied to. Right. And I don't like that. I don't like feeling like I'm being lied to, but unfortunately, that is the... That's, that's I think, how especially liberal, democ- liberal politics has to work. Of course. So, like, yeah, what, what, do, you, what, what do you do? But, well, I think... The, mm-hmm. it, well, the, the second-order ramifications of all of this in Gaza, I think, are going to be very interesting to see. Because America's responding, we're pledging undying loyalty and love of Israel, we're sending multiple aircraft carriers to set up their coast to ensure that no Arab country can invade them while they deal with Gaza. I think all of that is going to have very negative ramifications for the United States long term, mm-hmm. and especially because we have imported massive numbers of Muslims into not just the United States, but all of Western Europe. And as Europe and the United States trips over itself to support Israel, all of those Muslims that we have so courageously brought in as refugees are going to side with their Arab brothers in Palestine against what they see as Western support for Israel. And I think that we're going to be I think we are more going to be more at risk in the next couple of years of terrorist attacks from radicalized Muslims than we have been since 9-11. I mean, if you look at back to uh, Osama bin Laden, he made all those videos in his cave. The main reason he stated for opposition to the United States was American support for Israel. Not our freedom, not because we allow women to vote, because we support Israel. Right. And I think that we have not learned any lesson from that other than we need to support Israel super duper extra hard or and screw anyone who says otherwise. I think it is on the table to ask, is this worth it? What do we get from Israel? Why are they worth this undying support that seems to only generate ill will amongst a lot of people in the world? What do we get for all of this? Is, I mean, sure, it'd be great to say, well, we're not going to be intimidated. Yeah, that's fine, but at the same time, why are we even bothering? What's why is it worth the hassle? And those are questions I would, I think we should, I think we should uh, face those questions head on rather than just hide behind. Well, they hate us for our freedom. Well, and there could like we are passing the buck to future generations to deal with problems we're too um, that we don't want to deal with today. Now. It, it, it's interesting because I, I bet a lot of people got 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 a little triggered over you even saying that. But the whole thing is, is there could be good reason, but you're not allowed to even right. ask that question, and that's a problem. Yeah, especially because we're in the middle of a, rec- a military recruiting crisis. We've expended all a huge stockpiles of our most advanced weapons in Ukraine. We're not in a good position right now. Oh, and I am Are not we in position right now to go to war with Iran. Are we in position right now to flex U.S. might in ways that we might have to because this is causing an international incident? Uh, Does China look at this and say, now's our time, they're distracted with Israel? These are things that serious people should actually be asking. Serious questions need to be considered, and we're not doing that. China has made their comments. I don't trust the people in charge. Yeah. 
Sorry, the Chinese foreign minister came out and flat out said, uh, there's a term that's being used, and I can't remember what it is, um, is saying that, uh, like, it, it, basically Israel has gotten its vengeance and it doesn't need to, um, gosh, I wish I could remember what the, the phrase that they're using for uh, people who oppose uh, Israel, like, basically steamrolling into Gaza. There's a word that they're using for what, it has to be something specific in international law where you can't just go and start killing the civilian population of, of your enemy. Um but uh, China, China has basically said, you've gotten your revenge. You've taken out the, the Hamas people and the leaders and whatever. You need to stop now. Uh, which, of course, you know, everyone's going to say, well, fuck China. Blah, you know, rah, rah, rah. They should be able to do whatever, which is OK, fine. Like, like, like I said, but I, I, I totally get it. I just wish I had the same. Uh, I wish I would. I, I just wish. <laughs> I wish that America was allowed to be the same as Israel. That's all I want. Like, I'm, I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm not anti-Israel. I'm jealous. I'm jealous that Israel is allowed to operate the way it can and, and America's not. I'm, I'm mad because the yeah. things, all I want is to have the same nationalism that Israel has, um, the same yeah. diaspora. I mean, good Lord. Like, if you're Jewish in the United States, I, it's, it, it's pretty obvious. You know, they, they all... Every Jewish person in the United States uh, seems, well, not maybe not all of them, but a good majority of them are all standing very strongly with Israel and, and want to make sure that they are successful and win. Now, you used to not be able to point that out. I mean, there was a Republican representative who wore his IDF uniform on the floor of the House of Representatives. Personally, I find that kind of offensive. I find it. It's absolutely insane. It's like you have a leader supposedly leader of the american government wearing the uniform of a foreign military yeah that's a little fucking weird like just i feel like he's not going to take be america first in this situation he's not yeah. going to take america's needs into account account before the needs of someone else well and that's it's the, the same as uh is an anthony blinken yeah traveled to israel and said i come here not as an american but as a jew and it's like well but you represent me american i'm not jewish but you're my secretary of state yeah. He's, he's he's Secretary of State. Am I yeah. going to just get that yeah. wrong? You nailed okay, it. Okay, good. You got it, buddy. <laughs> okay, sorry. First, I said that, and then my head just went, wait. Wait. <laughs> I can sometimes get these people confused, but saying, I come here as a Jew. It's like, well, no, you, you should come here as an American first, because well, you represent, you I, know, America. I was it's told. It's kind of weird that you can't set aside your own ethnicity in order to... It makes me worried. If there was ever a conflict between what is good for Jews and what is good for America, would people like Anthony Blinken... Like, how would they... What, what decision would they make? Well, now, a a Alan, I Alan, think it is not necessarily I foregone that those things are separate, but at the same time, if that conflict did happen, it seems like he would choose one over the other. I can't allow such blatant anti-Semitism as you suggesting that Israel is somehow an ethno-state with which all Jews identify as their homeland. That's ridiculous and anti-Semitic. How dare you? How, da how dare I? Oh, I'm sorry. That was last month. It's different now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just the same as if there was a Ukrainian member of Congress. I would be a little suspicious when they were voting on funding bills to the Ukrainian war. When there's people in Congress that have dual citizenship with Israel, I get a little suspicious that they're going to be um, objective when it comes to choosing the level of American support that is appropriate. Well, you know, 
I think that I, I well to 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 the point you're making there. Uh, there's the concern over uh, Ilhan Omar. You know, sure. people people question her potential loyalties. Same with Rashida Tlaib, who is Palestinian. People question her loyalties. Now, maybe maybe the argument can be made that like we're not allied with Palestine, we're not allied with Somalia, obviously, but we are allied with um, Israel. Well, yeah, but that's not exactly how it works because you know some of those things change sometimes. So if it's not okay for like if if you're concerned that Rashida Tlaib may see this is this is the funny part about it. The concern is that Rashida Tlaib is going to vote for things that are going to be beneficial to Palestine and not Israel. Well, the the same concern exists on the other side. For sure. Because I want Rashida Tlaib to have the her loyalty to the United States and her constituents and only that. I want that for every representative. I've been pretty strong about this across the board for years. I don't believe that you should be able to hold dual citizenship and be a representative in Congress. I think that you should have to rescind your citizenship because I don't know exactly how it works, but I do know that when people were, maybe it's not entirely this way, but like I didn't know anybody with a security clearance that had dual citizenship. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it certainly was way more difficult. Now, when it comes to elected representatives, they're bestowed a clearance because they were elected. But I feel like there should still be at least somewhat of a yes, but, and I don't think it's even, is it really beyond the pale? If we went and made a uh, provision, an amendment in the Constitution that said the same, for example, the same thing as the uh, the presidency of the United States, you must be a citizen like you. you Well, I'm not sure exactly how it's phrased. I don't know. Can the president be a dual citizen? I don't know if it's impossible. I don't know. That's a good question. But I don't think the president of the United States. Yeah. Well, okay. Technically, they couldn't. Let me put it that way. Technically, they couldn't because you have to be born in the United States. Yeah. So well, mm-hmm. you could get dual citizenship without being born in the United States. That's what I mean. Is like with, with being you could you could be born in the United States and then have dual citizenship somewhere else. Yeah. You could. I just. Uh, I'm not sure. It's a little, I, I just, I don't think it's that untoward to be like, yeah, you know, like it doesn't matter if like when you're running, if you're a dual citizen, like maybe you have Swiss citizenship. Cool. But once you become a representative, you have to rescind your citizenship from another country. I'm fairly certain most countries have that. I agree. It seems very reasonable, although I'm not a hundred percent certain. Like, like what's, what's the downfall of it? Like oh no, this person. I don't pers- know. This but, but person the fact I is like that, that there are people with dual citizenship making decisions for mm-hmm. the United States, and I get to be very concerned by that. Yeah, it's because not a dual citizenship in and of itself is essentially dual loyalty, and I don't want that from the people that I'm that I, I guess, employ in my government. 
Yeah. And it, it seems to me that there are three sides of this issue. It's, it's being discussed, I think, disingenuously as though there's only two sides. Are you pro-Israel, pro-Palestine? I think there's a third side, and that third side is pro-America. Right. I'm pro-America in this. What is good for America is what I want. I don't want to get involved in some sort of ethnic grudge match hatred that goes back hundreds if not thousands of years or whatever. I want to do what is best for the United States. And I don't see a lot of conservatives taking that opinion. They want to do what's best for Israel. A lot of people on the left, bizarrely, because, well, because BlackRock and Vanguard and the World Economic Forum all count on Israel as a loyal partner. They're all pro-Israel as well. Like Biden administration's pro-Israel because Israel is like any other many other Western governments compromised by the uh, New World Order. They, they're pro-Israel. There's a bunch of leftists and Muslims that are anti-Israel, and I don't share anything with those groups. I don't, ca- don't want to be anti-Israel like Rashida Tlaib because I share nothing else with her. She happily, she, she is my political enemy because she happily rejoices at the like destruction of my nation. I don't share anything with Joe Biden even though he's pro-Israel, because he happily aids and abets the destruction of my country and was doing it for the benefit of Rashida Tlaib until Israel was a breaking point. Mm-hmm. I, I don't share anything with these people. I don't share their goals. I don't share their end, the end result they want. And so I think that it is important to me to discuss this as if there are three sides of the equation, pro-Israel, pro-Palestine, and pro-America, and I'm pro-America. No, and I, I honestly, <clears throat> at the end of the day, I think we just shouldn't be involved in this because there's no way it ends well for the United States. Well, and I don't. If I'm going to be honest, I don't think Israel really needs our help. That's the other weird right. part. Like you, you have F-16s and fighter jets and tanks, and you're going up against an insurgency in a tiny strip of land. Yeah, they had a terrorist attack that killed a bunch of people, and that's very tragic. But at the same time, that, what help do you need? You yeah. outnumber the Palestinians by just sheer population by a huge number. And I so I feel like they already get billions of dollars in military aid from the United States. You have free health care and a space program. So I kind of get a little suspicious that you'd even need that. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it just it it seems like I have all of these people on the left and right, all of these politicians all talking about what is best for Israel. And no one's talking about what is best for the United States. China and Russia are still out there. There are geopolitical issues and threats that we have to deal with and face. And we have so many other problems and issues that it seems like this is absolutely the worst time to stake our opinion on something that is wildly divisive and unpopular around the world. Yeah. But it is interesting that you bring up that the uh, Democrat Party is Mm -hmm. currently in open warfare. And that is absolutely fascinating because they've funded and pushed and, and supported black lives matter and all of these other groups, which hilariously are of course, well, it it, it comes down to something simple. Palestinians are poor, oppressed Brown people. And therefore Mm -hmm. all of these groups, which have been getting millions, hundreds of millions sometimes of dollars in funding, are suddenly going, yeah, free Palestine. And you right. know that the donor class of the Democrat Party are going, uh, you need to shut them up. And the Democrats are going, we kind of like put them in charge, though, because you all were all about the George 
George Floyd shit and whatever. And the donors are going, yeah, we don't care though. That's changed because now, now they're anti-Israel. And it's like, yeah, we, we told you this was going to happen. Like if, if America had followed along with the conservative agenda, we wouldn't have giant pro-Palestinian protests all over the place because we would have, uh, we would have been the adults in the room and said, we're going to start kind of restricting uh, immigration from some of these countries because it's not going to go well since those countries are going to easily be able to embed terrorists. We're not going to have a porous border where there have already been hundreds of apprehensions of people on terror watch lists because Joe Biden won't secure the border. Like we wouldn't have anywhere near the amount of concern or security potential, like the the risk potential that we have right now, if people had gone along with, I don't know, what it, what was it they called it during the Trump administration? The Muslim ban? Yeah. Oh, I bet they yep. wish that was fucking in, I, I bet they wish that was in the books, don't they? Because now- Absolutely, th- well, yeah, well, there, there are, have been big demonstrations, huge demonstrations across Europe and in the United States, places like Dearborn, Michigan, mm-hmm. of- anti-israel sentiment amongst the muslim population and it's like well are we getting ready for some sort of civil war between the muslim populations we've imported and the u.s government that is choosing to support israel above all other concerns right i I get to be kind of annoyed that we even have to deal with this because at the end of the day i don't want the muslims here i don't want i I wanted no more immigration from these places i thought we had that settled after 9-11 where it's like, what is the point of bringing in more people that we don't necessarily share the same set of values with? They're not going to want to live in my my white country. I'm not going to want to live in their Muslim country. And they we each have our own countries currently, and we could just stay here, and it would be fine. But unfortunately, because the left wanted to destroy the ability of basically red states to set their own policies they've decided to flood us with immigrants from around the world in order to just in order to make everything so factious and now we deal with the ramifications of their policies well and the complaints that i'm seeing especially even from you know leftists you know by the way who are against school choice um are all horrified over the idea that some of their kids can't go to school because they go to hebrew school you know because it's okay for them to send their kids to private school, private religious schools. It's just not okay for there to be a Christian school. But right. that hypocrisy aside, um, I, I saw, <laughs> I can't remember her name, but there was a journalist that was like, well, have you ever had to be worried about your daughter going to school because she goes to a Hebrew school? And it's like, you're the same person who demanded we import all of these people that you're now worried are going to burn your daughter's school down. You called us racists. Yeah. You called us bigots. Your same, your same group of ethnic folk funded the non-governmental organizations that set up these refugee centers that brought all of these people here. And you called That's us a racist true. the entire fucking time. And by the way, in this next election, I bet Jews will still vote 70% Democrat for some reason even though that same party is the reason why there's a bunch of angry Palestinians making you worried whether or not you should wear your, uh, 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 <clears throat> oh, damn it, yarmulke out in public. Yeah. 
or whether yeah. or not it's safe yeah. for you to go to synagogue or whether or not it's safe for you to send your kid to Hebrew school. You fucking voted for that. And how dare you get mad at me for pointing it out? You have voted for it. Your groups, yeah. your organizations, the Anti-Defamation League, the uh, AI Pack, all of these groups have funded exactly the shit you're worried about. So don't come cry to me, the bigot Islamophobe. I was we had every solution to make this not be a problem. You fucking paid for it to be a problem. But it better not become my problem. Because if my, yeah. if if I have to worry about my children going to school, we're going to have a real big problem. Because I did everything oh, yeah. in my fucking power to ensure to include fighting a goddamn war to ensure that this shit didn't hit my family. But you pushed and pushed and funded and went against every single one of my efforts to secure my community from this kind of terror. You cut me off at every goddamn turn. And now there's a war in what I can only assume is the country you care more about. And now you want to make it my problem. So that's why I get angry over this. I think you should. Yeah, that's a very reasonable thing to be angry about. But I'm not I'm not going back to this 9/11 shit. I'm not going back to color-coded Sesame Street bullshit and my rights being eroded. So See, some... that is my true worry about mm -hmm. all of this is that we're going to is that there's going to be Muslims that get very upset that decide we have to take this war against the West because the West is supporting the oppression of Palestinians and then we get a terrorist attack and then Oh no, it's now we're back to all the same 9-11 nonsense of having to take, you know, all the security measures, the threat levels, and everyone I talk to is going to say, yeah, but like, it's just so scary because the Muslims are just so angry. You don't get it. They hate us for our freedoms. They hate us for our freedoms. Like, but why couldn't we have just sat this one out? Dang it. And I guess that's my real frustration is that I feel none of this is necessary. We're creating enemies when we don't have to. We're importing enemies when we don't have to. We just, the, the adults are out of the room and, we're, and it's a nation being run by children. Yeah. Well, yeah, because nobody's going to have the balls and say, okay, we're going to restrict travel uh, from these these different countries. No, I. in fact, what's going to happen right now is Israel's going to go in and steamroll Gaza fine and a bunch of leftists are going to come and go we need to support the refugees and there's going to be a we bunch of to, churches yeah. oh i fucking promise you there's going to be a bunch of churches in my area that are going to suddenly be like hate has no home here and they're going to start importing a bunch of people a bunch of refugees from gaza and they're going to come over here uh, and be right outside of Washington, D.C. And I'm not joking because it's exactly what they did for Ukraine. Why would it be any different? So they're going to bring in all of these people from Gaza and they're going to shove them into our public school here. Oh, I, I feel like that's already being discussed is we need to deport all of these people in Gaza. And where are they going to go? Egypt. The reason they're not in Muslim countries is because Muslim countries do not want a bunch of wild fanatics in their country oh they don't like, no no, no. The like whole, uh the, the thing is like palestinians were very upset that they basically and they 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 look at israel as israel stole their land and they yes. are very sensitive about that 
And so when they go into Muslim countries, there's been multiple leaders of, of, of Muslim countries that have been assassinated by Palestinian terrorists because they refuse to go to war with Israel for the Palestinian cause. Yes. That's why Egypt doesn't want them. That's why Jordan doesn't want them. And I know there's already people just saying, well, we need to bring them here. <laughs> we need, really need to bring more Palestinians. We need to mass immigrate, and that would be the nice thing to do. And I just am very annoyed that, it ta- that that's what it's seemingly going to devolve into. Yeah. Yeah, of course, it's going it's, it's, it's to be, well, yeah. No, the leftists are going to demand that we bring them here. And then there's going to there there something's going to happen. Maybe maybe not next week. Maybe not next month. Maybe not next year. But it's it's going to fucking happen. Yeah, and you're going to start seeing people be find. radicalized, and it's going to be like, what the fuck? Because by the way, like you could still support Israel. You just need to go whole hog on it and be like, hey, we're going to support Israel. And by the way, we're not taking in any Muslim refugees. It's too dangerous right now. We're not taking in any travelers right now from these different countries. It's too dangerous right now. We simply can't. Yeah. We just simply can't do it. And everyone's going to call it racist and everyone's going to call it awful. But at the end of the day, that's the cost of standing with Israel. And that should be okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, not me. May, and maybe that this will be different. Maybe because there's been this big attack in Israel, there's been, it's also obvious this is might be different than 9 11. Yeah, that's and true. There might not. And when there's a discussion of we should, import, we should do another Muslim ban, I think we will be in a much better position to make the case for a second, for a Muslim ban now than we used to be. Like yeah. I think a lot of it, it'll be a lot harder to justify why we wouldn't do a Muslim ban anymore because oh it'd be racist. Yeah, but like, hey, Jewish community of the United States, do you want more of these people here? I can imagine a lot of Jewish people would go, listen, I don't, I'm not racist, but I don't really think we should get bring in more of these people. Maybe it's not a good idea. <laughs> there's there's yeah. a possibility that there's a group of people that might come in there that want to you know kill me for who I am. <laughs> uh, most definitely, and I I feel if there is a ray of sunshine in all of this, I think it is bringing to light things. It is a painful time that is bringing to light things that we really have to face. And essentially, again, like a lot of things that have happened, while it is frustrating to deal with the inflation, the rampant crime, all the all the all of these issues that keep plaguing our society while it is frustrating to deal with all of that every, not a day goes by that the entire left-wing worldview gets further and further discredited so that is kind of the silver lining here is that the, the arguments that tricked us into this situation i don't know how long they'll be able to maintain those and that's i guess something no i agree and i i, I think you're absolutely correct um but I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I know we're a little bit short on it, but uh, I'm going to call it here at the hour and a half of Mark because I think uh, we've summed this up. And honestly, it was only the really only big news story uh, that was out because I don't want to talk about the Speaker of the House thing yet because it hasn't actually happened. So until those votes happen, we'll have to just jump on that. But those are kind of our feelings on the whole Israel-Palestine. It's, it's not that complex. It's just one of those... 
okay, America just needs to do what's good for America for freaking once in our lives. And let's not see this become larger ramifications. But let us know what you guys think and be sure to share this out. Obviously, we'd love to get your opinion, which you can do by joining our Discord. And you can do that by going to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio. And for $2.99 a month, you can help sponsor the program. You'll get access to our Discord and all of that. Other than that, I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. This is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next week.